All right. Are you glad to be here tonight? Awesome. It has been a wonderful, wonderful day. I'm very, very grateful. And what I wanted to do tonight is I want to share with you, um, I think I said this this morning, somewhere in the process of the message, I really thought that, that the uh, teaching this morning, again, not the teacher, but the teaching was vitally important. You know, we're in that crucial time of the elections, and you know, we're praying, hopefully we're praying for our country, we're praying for, you know, for God to work and to do a, a miracle in our country. And how, how powerful would that be if we began to pray um, like we learned this morning, thy will be done? How powerful would it be if we honestly had that intimacy with God and could honestly pray, Father, your will be done? I think it would make a difference. I think it would make a huge difference in our country. I think it would be a very powerful thing if a wave swept across our nation of people, people who understand that kingdoms have a king and kingdoms have subjects, and subjects are submitted to the king under the authority of the king, and they pray, Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. I think there's real power in that. Amen? I think there's real power in that. And so what I wanted to do tonight, because I really want to cement it, if I understand teaching right, it helps sometimes to go back and to re-solidify what was taught, sometimes two or three times, to even solidify that teaching. That's how important I think that it is. Um, I was looking, you know, this morning we started out, you know, talking about with Jesus. Now, I'm not going to re-preach the sermon. But I talked about Jesus and, uh, and Matthew. Uh, yeah, well, hang on a second. I'm going to get the right scripture. Yeah, John. John chapter 6. I had to look at my Bible there. John chapter 6. And here's what I think it's, you know, basically said. It said, I came down from heaven. This is what Jesus said. I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And that's the beautiful picture of thy will be done. And, of course, we saw again in, in John chapter 12. I really hope you underlined that scripture in your Bible and you wrote it down. It's hugely important because it's a great guide of how we are to pray thy will be done. Taught to us by our Savior heading for the most crucial time in his life. And, by the way, if you didn't have a chance to get to Matthew and look at the garden uh, scripture we're going to look at this morning, I will encourage you this week to go through and read that. That was the practical acting out of all that teaching we did this morning by Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I hope you'll go back and you'll hit that. And so I want to come back tonight now with a wholly different look and look again, reteaching what Jesus said this morning. I come down from heaven not to do my will, but thy will uh, that, that my Father's will would be done. And I want us to solidify that in our hearts tonight. So about a year ago, um, a young preacher boy named David... Um, taught from Romans chapter 12. I think it was Youth Sunday, and that's why he was teaching. And I want to come back a year later now. It happens to be one of my favorite scriptures. So if you want to take your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we're going to look at a picture of, again, how thy will be done is acted out in our lives. Okay? Then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16 and see how Jesus acts it out again. And then we're going to see how it is not acted out. Okay, so we're going to see two positives and a negative, how that is acted out, played out in a person's life. Now, in Romans chapter 12, again, one of my favorite verses from the time, even before I was a believer, I like this verse. Um, I was in RAs, and this was one of the verses we had to memorize, and I memorized it as a junior or, or sophomore in high school. You know, Paul writes and says these words. I beseech you, therefore. Now, you remember the little cute saying that whenever you see a therefore, you stop and see what it's there for. What it's there for, okay? And in this case, it's very strong. Because of what Paul's about to teach us, what he's about to say to us, 
really just is magnified by what happens in verse number or chapter number 11. Here's what it says, 11:33 through 36. You can look up in your Bible. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the, the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Paul was simply overwhelmed by the awesome, uh, uh, the awesome the awesomeness of God. And I saw these songs tonight, again, that we sang in. They're just so powerful. I really loved, again, the Baptist Catechism. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We exist to glorify God. We don't exist to make money. We don't exist to promote ministries. We don't exist to promote churches. We don't uh, exist to promote ourselves. We exist to glorify God. And we simply that we, we glorify Him by reflecting Him out of our lives. So Paul says, overwhelmed by how great he is, Paul says these words, I urge you, I urge you, therefore, because of the mercies of God. Because of the mercies of God. Mercy is God's unmerited kindness. Uh, grace is his unmerited favor, and, and, the, and mercy is his unmerited kindness. Have you ever thought about how kind God is to us? Look, look, let me read these scriptures to you. Listen to Micah 7.18. We don't go to Micah very often. Micah 7.18. Who is a God like you? Think about that. Think of all the things that try to claim Godship in our lives. Think of all the things that try to claim Godship in the world. Who is a God like you? Who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. Aren't you glad? Oh. I, 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 someone told me Wednesday night, I beg for amens too hard. So I won't beg for an amen. But aren't you glad he doesn't stay angry forever, but delights to show mercy? I'm so glad he's a merciful God. I'm so glad. In Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2, we read these words. David again, with, after sin with Bathsheba, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Lamentations 3.22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So Paul's basically saying this. Because um, he urges us, because, oh, I wish we had a cross here. Because of the cross, because of his sacrificial death, because of his great love for us demonstrated on the cross, he urges us to do something. And that is our great motivation. We're not motivated by duty. We're not motivated by motivated by obligation. We are motivated by his great love for us. In this case, Paul says these words, that by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. We sang the song, White Flag, this morning. You know, surrender song, White Flag. 
And Paul is saying here, when he says present our bodies, he's saying we are to surrender ourselves. We are become thy will be done kind of people. We're, we're not to be my will be done kind of people. Oh, wouldn't this make a difference in a Baptist church? Come on. Come on. Isn't it true that a lot of Baptist church are filled with people that say, my will be done, my music, my temperature, my loudness, my, 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 my. Yeah. It's the truth. Greg, that's how you're right on. You're spot on. How different would it be if we became thy will be done kind of people? Is whatever God wanted us to do. So when he says surrender your bodies, he's talking about sacrifice. He's talking about surrender. In fact, he says that present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Holy means set apart. Set apart for, set apart for what? Set apart for God. Not for my will, but for the one who sent me, the way Jesus said it. Acceptable to God. And this is our reasonable service. And, and better translated, this is our spiritual worship. So Paul paints this picture and says, that is thy will be done living. That is how it looks like. We, we lay our body on the altar of God's sacrifice. We set ourselves apart, not for our will, but for his will to be done. And it's only reasonable for us. Why is it reasonable, Dwayne? Because of the cross that's not sitting there. When I think, you know, growing old changes you. I, I was telling someone, let me tell a story. I was telling someone, um, of course, Judy's gone, which means I'm kind of melancholy anyway, you know. I, I told several people that Amanda stopped by the house to get the Sunday School Mental Literature, and she goes, man, this place is quiet. I said, tell me about it. You know, tell me about it. I'm just pooter pretty fast. <laughs> Say that three times fast. All right. You know, so, so I was sitting there, and, and I decided I, I was starting to go through this phase where I wanted some of my military past to put on my green wall. I've got one wall left. And I was going to kind of look back on what God did in my life as a, in the military and then in my younger years as a service to him. And so I got these boxes out, Tim. Have you ever, you got boxes? Yeah. Well, I got boxes. And I opened it up. And in these boxes were plaques, you know, all the way back to 1976 when they said, thank you for being our choir director. Can you imagine me as a choir director? That's something to think about. You know, thank you for being a choir director. Uh, squadron support person of the month all these different things but here's the sad part they were thrown in this box dirty dusty and scratched up because as a younger man they didn't mean that much but now at age 62 i look back and see the faithfulness of my god and they mean a lot they mean a lot they mean a lot and and we think about what god when we look back at what god did for us we should just be overcome with this desire of surrender and sacrifice for him. And it's so easy in the rush and bush of life to miss that. And maybe we need to get the old boxes out and go through what God has done for us in our lives. And that will motivate us, I believe, to be thy will be done kind of people. And, of course, the big news is you guys who are younger, don't wait till you're 62 to figure this out. You know, enjoy it now. Enjoy God now. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Enjoy God now and what he has done for us. So that led us then to another example. And this is Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. That leads us to another example and the great danger of my will be done living. Okay, because it really can be camouflaged pretty well. 
And that's what I want to show you, okay? It can be camouflaged really well. In Matthew 16, 21, uh, this is a familiar scripture, I think, okay? The first verse is another picture of the surrender of Jesus. Here's what it says. From that time. Now, remember, he knows the cup. He knows the cup. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes that he must be killed and be raised the third day. Now, again, notice, again, the confidence that Christ has at this point. Now, understand, what we talked about this morning was that, that fully God, fully human thing. Fully God, human thing. I hope you grasped that and got a hold of that. We can't understand it, but I hope you grasped that and got it. But at this point, he begins sharing with the boys and said, Guys, you need to understand, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer a lot of things. And, and, and I'm going to die. And, of course, they never heard the third day part. They totally tuned it out. They just didn't see it. But this is our Savior just in full step with the Father. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And then we see this ugly, ugly portrait of my will be done. Look, look at verse 22. So Peter took him. The imagery of this, I can't even get my arms around either. Then Peter took him aside. and Now watch this. And begins to rebuke him. Can you imagine Peter rebuking Jesus? I mean, I really wrestle with that. But then I think about how often sometimes I rebuke God. Is anyone here guilty of rebuking God every once in a while? God don't like that. You know, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? You know, I have those words come out of my mouth sometimes. Well, Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. And here's what he says. After Jesus said, I've got to go to Jerusalem, I'm, I'm going to suffer all this stuff, I'm going to die and, and be resurrected the third day. Here's what Peter says. Far be it from you, Lord. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Wow. Wow. Now, this, this is two sides of the same coin. There, there's the possibility that Peter is being very noble. I mean, he loves Jesus. And the thought that this man that he loves going to Jerusalem and suffering and dying is simply more than he can bear. And he says, no, God, no. And that's noble. But then there's the other side. And I think this is it. Peter sold his boat for Jesus. Peter sold his nets for Jesus. On the pretext... That he was the Messiah King. And the plan was this. And I say this at funerals all the time. The plan was they believed Jesus is the Messiah. Not the suffering Messiah from Isaiah chapter 53. But the military reigning Messiah. And he was going to assume the throne. He was going to overthrow the Roman government. He was going to rule and reign in Israel. And these 11 men, 12 at that point, but 11 men were going to be the princes of power. They followed Jesus largely on the pretext of the military Messiah and not the suffering Messiah. I wonder how fast they'd have been to surrender when that came up, if they knew it was the suffering Messiah. I don't know. But I believe this. I believe somewhere in Peter's words, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you, is not only his concern for Jesus, but his concern for Peter. Because he's got to be thinking, okay, if they're going to kill him, I'm next. And besides that, hello, 
Besides that, this isn't what I signed up for. Have you said that to God before? Again, some preacher told you, trust Jesus and every day is sunny. Some preacher told you, you never get sick. Some preacher told you, you never lose your job. Some preacher said, you know, just trust Jesus and he'll heal your marriage and you still got divorced. Does that sound familiar? And somewhere you would say to God, okay, God, this is not it. This is not what I signed up for. And I bet Peter somewhere in his heart is saying, Jesus, this is not what I signed up for. And you know what this is? This is my will done theology. Because let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Regardless, if he's Mr. Noble, if he's saying, I'm so enamored with Jesus, I so love him, the thought of him dying, I can't bear it. Or if he is saying, look here, Jesus, I didn't sign up for this. You know, you're going to die and they're going to come after me next. And I was supposed to be a prince and I'm not a prince. I'm going to be a martyr. I didn't sign up for that. Regardless. It's my will be done thinking. Because God's will was Jesus die. And regardless of Peter's motivation for saying those words, they're both outside the will of God. See, we may pray some very noble prayers. But if it's, if it's our will, it's still our will. Think about it. We can be very noble in our prayer life. But if our prayer life consists of saying, God, this is what I want, with no concern for His will, it's still my will praying. And the response of Jesus is harsh. He, he says in verse 23, So He turned and said to Peter, You know, I wrote down my note sheet. I wrote the word, ouch. I don't know if it's Greek or not, but He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Wow. Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're a stumbling block to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. Peter, you are not saying, thy will be done. You're saying, my will be done. And Jesus said that's an offense, that's a stumbling block. And it's, it's worldly thinking. Oh, gosh, I'm going to say something that probably doesn't come out right. It's almost, according to what Jesus said, it's almost satanic thinking. It's crazy thinking. It's so hugely important that we have reached a point of surrender in our lives. No matter what it means, it means thy will be done. You know, Jim Elliott goes to, to Ecuador and dies on a beach and the people are saying, what a crazy waste. And it was not. It was not because he was following the will of God. He could have followed his will and stayed in America and would have lived to a ripe old age. But he would disobey God. So it's huge. It's huge. Thy will be done. And then on my note sheet in verse 24, I've got the word repeat. Because it's a repeat. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, if you want to be a Christ follower, if you want, not if you want to go to heaven, not if you want to be a Baptist, if you want to be a Christ follower, you've got to first deny yourself. You've got to say, 
God, I understand tonight it is not my will. It is your will. No matter what that means. Tonight I understand it's not my will, it's your will. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to get behind Jesus. In fact, we're fixing to say the words, follow him. Have you ever tried to follow someone in front of him? It doesn't work well, does it? He says, deny himself. He's got to follow me. He's got to identify, pick up his cross. He's got to identify with me. I thought you, hope you got the imagery this morning. Again, the criminal was saying that Rome was right and they were wrong and they were identifying with the fact they were a criminal. And when we pick up the cross, we are identifying that Jesus is the king and we're not. I guess you could say, according to Galatians 2.20, that we're crucified with Christ, that imagery. But we're to follow Christ. Follow Christ. Thy will be This verse we didn't use this morning. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. That's my will thinking. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. My will. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Thy will. We save our life. It's my will. We lose our life. It's thy will. And the choice is ours. The choice is ours. It's our surrender. And we're going to talk about in just a moment how we can help that to happen in our lives. Because we're going to go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2 now. And, and then Paul closes up by saying, so don't be conformed to this world. Don't be pressured by this world. You know, don't let the world squeeze you into its conformity. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transforming your mind. Now again, again, that applies directly into thy will, my will thinking. How do we transform our mind? How, we, how do we think in a new way? Well, write these scriptures down. They're familiar. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all for the name or in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So if we want to be thy will Christians, followers, we've got to abide in the Word. Folks, it's time to get in the Word of God. It's time. If I did a survey tonight, and this is a Sunday night crowd, if I ask you tonight, how many of you regularly, daily pick up the Word of God and meditate on it? We would all be surprised, maybe, at the hands that couldn't go up. We're busy, we're busy, we're busy. We need to be a people of the Word. If we're going to allow the Word of God to transform us into thy will people, we've got to find time to get in the Word. And then we've got to talk about that thing we're all uncomfortable with. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. That part you're not uncomfortable with, but be filled with the Spirit. We don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's what causes regeneration in us. The Holy Spirit is our counselor, our comforter, our teacher, our power. It's through Him that we live the Christian life. It's not us, it's Him. And the word be filled simply means to surrender to the Holy Spirit. In other words, allow the Holy Spirit to 
to control our prayer life. How many of y'all think the Holy Spirit is a thy will be done prayer? <laughs> Didn't it say that in Romans chapter 8 this morning? That the Spirit knows the mind of God and prays in accordance, intercedes in accordance with the will of God? We've got to be filled with the Spirit. We've got to understand we can't do this. Aren't you tired of trying? Aren't you tired of tiring? You like the train trying to go up the hill and you've chugged and you chugged and you chugged all these years. Isn't it time we realize that we can't live this Christian life? That He lives it through us. He never expected us to live the Christian life. He expected us to be surrendered vessels, living sacrifices, and allow Him to live through us. And the third thing is this, this thy will, praying. Start practicing what you've learned today. And I'm telling you, listen to me, listen to me. That starts with, I need help. That starts with, now, there may be people here who have got this one down, okay? But I need to tell you, your pastor is still working on it. I still need to tell God, okay, God, I understand this thy will thing, but sometimes I don't like your will. And so I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. In fact, let's just make it shorter. Help. 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 When we abide in the Word, when we surrender and are filled with the Holy Spirit, and when we cry out to God in authenticity and say, God, I need your help. I want to be a thy will be done believer, a follower. Guess what? He begins to change us. But it's dangerous. It's hard. But it's real. It's real. Every once in a while, I'll tell you all this. Some of you were unfortunate enough never to taste pecan pie. And over the years, I've talked about it, and I've talked about it, and I've talked about it. And you finally surrendered. And you said, I'll try it. And your life was transformed. You've never been the same, probably about 30 pounds. (laughs) You've never been the same. I'm telling you something. Generations of churches, of believers, have lived our lives and never experienced the authentic, authentic power of what I'm teaching, what we're teaching today. I want to challenge you. In Jesus' name, I want to challenge you to be a thy will be done believer. Jesus was. Paul taught it. And he cries out to us. I believe, listen, I know, I'm looking, I know some of our hearts, a lot of our hearts, are so concerned about the future of our country. This is a game changer. And we may not like God's will. We may not like it. I don't know. I hope God can't spell Hillary. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> but again, he's sovereign, he's wise. God, thy will be done. Let's pray together. God, what a magnificent day. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you, God, because I believe you put these people together tonight, just like I think you assembled the crowd this morning. I think you've assembled this group. And Father, I am asking you in Jesus' name 
to let us leave this place with a newfound commitment to be thy will be done believers. Father, I know the word says that we are crucified with Christ, but it sure seems like that old man, that flesh wants to crawl out of the grave. And I pray for victory in Christ for me and for us tonight. Teach us to pray, Lord, in a surrendered state of heart and mind, willing to trust you, willing to surrender to you. We love you tonight. We authentically love you tonight. And thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And Jesus, I ask this in your name.